Excellent. Um, tonight, we're going to have a look again at uh, Mark chapter 5. Very um, satirical, political um, language. And that the writer of Mark, when he wrote this passage, um, was really saying some things about empire and about Jesus. Um, and that comes through. But that's, that's last time's message. Tonight, I want us to have a look at the same passage but kind of turn, turn it a bit and have a look at it from a different angle. And I, I'm just, I said this last time, but there is a saying by the ancient rabbis that goes, there are 70 faces to Torah. Turn it around and around for everything is in it. And I do feel like with, with many passages in, in scripture, especially with the stories and the sayings of Jesus, you can turn them round and round and look at them from different angles and see new things in them all the time. So tonight I want us to have a look at this passage, but a little bit more from the um, perspective of community life and from the framework of love and just see what this might say to us and challenge us um, about the nature of those two things. Is that cool? Um, I just want to throw up two uh, verses from Scripture to start with because they are going to kind of give us that framework of love as we look at this passage and they are the verses from 1 John 4 7 and then John chapter 13 and verse 34 to 35 and they say this dear friends let us love one another for love comes from God everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God and Jesus in John chapter 13 says this a new command I give you Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Kind of like great verses, aren't they? I mean, I could sing you that song, you know. Um, a new you know, Anyone else know that one? Who grew up in the... I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Anyway, we could sing that. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's great. And um, it really is. Like, it's like Jesus. This is like pinnacle of, like, high point of Jesus' teaching. A new command I give you, love one another. If the, the Ten Commandments are the high commands of the Old Testament, then this is the high command of the new kingdom, the new covenant. Love one another as I have loved you. Um, and so I want to have a look at this passage from Mark chapter 5 through the lens of what it's like to love one another um, because I think that as we dig into this passage and as we read it, it reminds us that loving one another is not as easy or as simple as reading it in those verses. Like we read those and we think, yes, love one another. But love outworked in community is messy and not at all simple and rarely black and white. And this is one of those passages, I think, that really um, lays this out for us in, in a few ways. So we're going to read it and then I want to bring out three things about community life and loving one another, working backwards from the end. So are we good to read it? Okay. Mark chapter 5, it's, it's the story of Jesus' encounter with Legion. So they came over the sea to the land of the Gerasenes. When they got out of the boat, 
they were suddenly confronted by a man with an unclean spirit. He was emerging from a graveyard, which was where he lived. Nobody had been able to tie him up, not even with a chain. He had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he used to tear up the chains and snap the shackles. No one had the strength to tame him. On and on, night and day, he used to shout out in the graveyard and on the hillside and slash himself with stones. When he saw Jesus a long way away, he ran and threw himself down in front of him. Why you and me, Jesus, he shouted at the top of his voice. Why you and me, son of the most high God? By God, stop torturing me. This last because Jesus was saying to him, unclean spirit, come out of him. What's your name, Jesus asked him. Legion, he replied, that's my name. There are lots of us. And he implored Jesus not to send them out of the country. It so happened that right there near the hillside was a sizable herd of pigs. They were grazing. Send us to the pigs, begged the spirit, so that we can enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The unclean spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd rushed down the steep slope into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and were drowned. The herdsmen fled. They told it in the town. They told it in the countryside. And people came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and there they saw the man who had been demon-possessed, who had had the legion seated, clothed and stone-cold sober. They were afraid. The people who had seen it all told them what had happened to the man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to leave their district. Jesus was getting back into the boat when the man asked if he could go with him. Jesus wouldn't let him. Go back home, he said. Go to your people and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he had mercy on you. He went off and began to announce in the ten towns what Jesus had done for him. And everyone was astonished. Crazy story. I called this message the day Jesus said no, because this was the day that Jesus said no. <laughs> I, I don't think he said no too many times to people when they asked him something, but he said no this time. When this man wanted to, after his encounter with Jesus and his radical transformation by the power of Jesus, he wanted to go off and leave with Jesus and go with Jesus and follow Jesus and be with Jesus. And Jesus said, no, go back to your own people, go back to your home. Um, go back to yours is what the language says. Go back to those you belong to. Go back to those who belong to you. Go back to yours. And I kind of was thinking how, you know, this is odd because many times when Jesus encountered people, he actually called them to follow him. You know, the disciples left their nets, left their, their, their vocations and followed Jesus. Jesus did call people to follow him. But in this instance, he said no to the man who wanted to follow him and sent him back to where he came from. And I'm reminded that sometimes Jesus calls us to go 
And sometimes he calls us to stay. And the path of discipleship is in many ways figuring out whether Jesus is calling you to go or Jesus is calling you to stay because he tends to do both. Sometimes it's hard to go and we'd rather stay because to go means to leave the comfort of home and all that's familiar and we'd rather stay in that safe place. Sometimes it's hard to stay and we'd rather go because we'd rather have a new beginning, a fresh start, the open road, the adventure of something new. So both can be hard, hard to stay, hard to go, and only Jesus can lead us. And so I'm surprised in a way, I suppose, by when Jesus says no to this man, don't come with me. Because there are times in Jesus' teaching where he says, you know, unless you're willing to leave father and mother and brother and sister and come follow me, then you're not worthy to be my disciple. And here's this guy who's like, I want to be your disciple and I'm well willing to leave mother and father and sister and brother and come follow you. And, and Jesus says, no, go back. And so we have to have the discernment, I think, when it comes to community and loving one another and belonging in community and belonging together to know when Jesus is calling us to stay and to know when Jesus is calling us to go. And let Jesus be our guide to those things. So that's the first thing I wanted to pull out of this passage about love and community life. That sometimes in community, God calls us to go. Go out to somewhere new. Go experiencing something else. Go. And sometimes God calls us to stay. Stay where you are. Go back to yours and belong there. The second thing I want to point out about this passage is about when Jesus says to this man, what is your name? And he says, my name is Legion. Now, that's not actually what his name was. His name wasn't Legion. What was afflicting him was Legion. But he, he had a name. And it's interesting that this man had, he had travelled so far from where he came from, so far from home, so far from identity, that the only way of naming himself to someone else was to name himself by the very thing that was afflicting him and torturing him and not actually by who he was. He had come to identify with his woundedness rather than who he was in God. And I was reflecting how in community we can isolate ourselves like externally, like stop showing up to community, stop showing up to one another and lose a sense of who we are. Or it's possible, I believe, for us to still show up to one another physically but in here, we've stopped showing up and we isolate ourselves. And I think when we do either of those things, we slowly forget who we are because we have no one who calls us by name. And this is what happened to, to, to this man. I, I believe that community, church as an example, families as another example, the places we find connection and identity 
are the safe places that allow us to be named for who we actually are rather than what afflicts us, what the world wants us to identify with or by what we do because all of those things lay claims to our identity but they are not who we are. Some of us, when we travel far from our, you know, our core true self, it's easier to identify ourselves like Legion did by what's wounding us. And so, if, you know, not that you go around and say, hi, I'm depressed, or hi, I'm anxiety, or hi, I'm divorced, or hi, I'm single, or hi, I'm dot, 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 you fill in the blank. But it's really easy when you lack good, loving community to actually start identifying much more with your brokenness than with your belovedness. And this is what had happened to Legion. He was so disconnected from his own people that when Jesus said to him, who are you? He said, I am Legion. But that wasn't who he was. He was someone's son. He was someone's brother. There's a song about this, isn't there? <laughs> the, he, he was probably, he was someone's cousin. He was someone's next door neighbor. He went, he was someone's schoolmate. He was someone's workmate. He was someone. He had a name that we don't know. But when Jesus encountered him, he traveled so far outside of community that he only identified with what was broken in him. And this is easily done in us too when we disconnect from real loving community because it's those that we're in loving connection with who remind us of who we are. That, that you know, we are loved and we are called by name and that we are valued, not for what we do, not for what we contribute, but simply for who we are. And that is what good community should be like. That is what our church should be like. That when we interact with each other, we are reminding each other of who we are. That this is Craig, you know, beloved brother and child of God. That this is Linda, beloved grandmother in the church and child of God. That this is Janet. That we don't relate to one another out of our what's wounded about us or what's broken about us or what could be said about us. We don't relate to one another out of what we bring to the community, like this is Linda, she's a good prayer. This is, you know, like, the, or, or, you know, so often easy at work to, to get caught up in labels of identity based on what you do. You know, I'm good at this or, you know, hello, I'm Luke, I'm a teacher. I'm Simon, I'm a computer engineer. I'm Amanda, I'm an admin. You know, we can label ourselves by what we do, but that kind of disconnects us I think from really good true community and legion is an example of how far you can travel away from love and connection and descend to the point of identifying solely with your brokenness rather than your belovedness and I would hope that more and more as a church community we keep working on calling out the belovedness in one another and calling each other by name and naming who we really are and speaking that which is true over one another and not just relating to one another out of our brokenness or out of what has happened to us or out of what we can contribute. But we actually really see the value and the unique kind of 
fingerprint of God on each person. And we remind each other of that. Because in the world, we don't get a lot of that. But when we come here, we need to remind each other, you are a child of God. You are beloved and you are beautiful and you are valued and you are worthy, not because of anything that you do or anything that you've experienced or anything that you contribute, but just simply because you are. Because when you come to the table of the Lord, that's how God relates to you. He doesn't relate to you because you're useful. He doesn't relate to you because you're productive. He doesn't relate to you out of anything other than your unique belovedness. Because of the way he made you is enough just to be yourself before him. And that's what good community looks like. But legion... He's so far away from that. The third thing that really strikes me about this passage, and I'm going to read the first five verses again, is just the imagination of his world. So they came over the sea to the land of the Gerasenes. When they got out of the boat, they were suddenly confronted by a man with an unclean spirit. He was emerging from a graveyard, which was where he lived. Nobody had been able to tie him up, not even with a chain. He had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he used to tear up the chains and snap the shackles. No one had the strength to tame him. On and on, night and day, he used to shout out in the graveyard and on the hillside and slash himself with stones. And my question is, how did Legion get there? How did he get there? Like, how did Legion, who was someone's son and someone's brother and someone's cousin and someone's co-worker and someone's next-door neighbour, how did he get from there to where he is now? Because that is a hell of a lot of community breakdown. Like, I wonder, because I have a vivid imagination and like to wonder, like, what, what, what broke down and fell apart or failed in Legion's life that ended up him getting to that place? Like, at, at what age in his house did he start to exhibit strange behaviour? Because he's got some strange behaviours. Like, let's just say he's not normal. There's something afflicting him. That didn't just, well, we don't really know, but we assume it just didn't like land upon him out of the blue one day. But somewhere along the course of his life, he started getting strange and doing odd things, maybe antisocial, but I don't, I don't know. You imagine it in your mind, what, what happened, what he was like. And, and I imagine that the first port of call was that his home, his mum, his dad, his sisters and his brothers were the unit that tried to manage Legion and tried to love him and tried to keep him connected and try to keep him okay in this world. But obviously at some point that broke down. The kind of love and the connection and the community, that broke down on both sides And then, I don't know, maybe the extended family stepped in and cousins and aunties and uncles tried to step in and help Legion out. Like, oh, you know, 
I don't know, Rose and Bob, they're having a real real struggle with Legion. <laughs> we don't know his name. Oh, you know, maybe you can have a few sleepovers. Oh, we'll help. You know, the extended community steps in and tries to, like, help. But at some point, that has broken down. And then the wider community, I don't know, probably starts to hear noises in the night and howling through the day and... Legion is expressing odd behaviour in the village, in the town. And he, he can't work anymore. And, he, and he, it's obvious to everyone that this guy, he's not okay. And at some point, that breaks down. Because somebody had to chain Legion up. And it wasn't Legion. So something went drastically wrong in the fabric of community that the community decided that the best thing for legion and the best thing for the community was that legion was taken out of the village of the town and out into the wild places and chained up like that's some serious community breakdown yeah but that's obviously the it, that just didn't happen overnight that happened through a series of like probably loving patient, faithful, trying to work and then just things breaking down, getting to the point where this isn't working for anybody. And the best idea was that Legion was removed from polite society and isolated out in the wildness and chained up. And I imagine that at that point, everybody is aching and hurting and weeping not just legion. Like, if you're the mother or the father or the brother or the cousin and you know that you are at the end of yourself and that that is probably best case scenario, that's, you don't just get there quickly. That's, that's hardcore, empty, we've got nothing left kind of scenarios. Like, that's my imagination when I think of legion. How did he get there? Who chained him up? Somebody chained him up. Somebody took him out to the graveyard and decided he was better off chained up in the graveyard than living in the village with everybody else. Padre Gotuma, who has inspired some of this for me, says this. Was he chained up because he was howling all night and day gashing himself with stones and breaking chains? Or was he howling all day and night, gashing himself with stones and breaking chains because he was chained up? We don't know. But this is a picture for me of real community breakdown. What happens when the fabric of togetherness and the fabric of how we love one another and the fabric of how we bear one another's burdens and the fabric of how we figure out what it means to be together really utterly, totally breaks down and we end up with legion chained up. And maybe they thought that, you know, if he was out of sight and out of mind, that life would be easy for everyone. And he definitely was the person put in the too hard basket. <laughs> like This is too hard basket. We can't deal with this. And for me, this is why Jesus saying, no, <laughs> go back to you and yours, is so extraordinary. 
Because who wants to go back to the people that did that to you? I've been thinking about this, I suppose, from like a few different angles. And maybe this is what I, I want to challenge you with tonight. Is that I think passages like this, and when we look at it from this angle, about what happens when community utterly breaks down, and what are the things we do to one another when we've totally run out of every kind of loving energy, that I think it provokes us from on a society level to ask ourselves, who do we do this with? Like, who are the groups in our society that we treat like Legion was treated? What, who's in the too hard basket for Australia? Like, it's not really hard to draw a parallel between what is happening with Legion and what we're doing with refugees on Manus and Nauru. It's, that's not a very, like, that, that's an easy bow to string, if that's the right saying. But I think there, there are lots of groups of people that we just don't know what to do with and we put in the too hard basket and we think, you know what, the best thing for everybody is that we chain you up outside where we don't have to hear you, look at you, or like it's just too, too much. So like there are people we do this with. In some sense, refugees would be one of them. I think... There is a fair case that we do this with criminals and those that break the law, that we don't know what to do with them. So best case is we just lock them up. I think we do this with people who really struggle deeply with mental illness. I think we do this with homeless people when we don't know what the answer is and it's in the too hard basket and we don't want to see it so we look away. I think we do this at times with disabled people. I think society in the past and maybe still at times does this with um, the LGBTIQ community. We don't know what to do with them and we've tried and so it's in the too hard basket. It's just easier if they're out of sight and out of mind. And I think, you know, when we read passages of scripture like this and realise that Jesus actually has something to say to us as a society and as a community about the way we treat one another, that Jesus actually has things to say to us about the fabric of how love works, um, that we we, we have to ask ourselves the questions of, you know, as a society, who are the people we put in the too hard basket? And then when we can figure out what they are, like what do we do about it? And I don't have the answer to that. And if anyone does, now is the good time to speak. No. I don't think it's as easy as just saying there's an answer to this. But I don't think it's okay as people of God just to put our heads in the sand and say, well, we're just not going to think about it because it's too hard. So I think the challenge for us as disciples of Jesus, as people who say, oh, we hear the command of Jesus, a new command I give you, love one another, that we actually have to take the one another seriously and that means more than just the person we're sitting next to, but actually means those that we'd rather not see and those that we'd rather put out of our mind. And that as followers of Jesus, especially in today's day and age, we have to wrestle with what's our place in being people of 
peace and justice and mercy and advocacy for for those people. And what that looks like is probably different for each of us and the things that we engage in and the things that we do to live out our discipleship and our seriousness of taking the command to love one another on the macro level as well as just the interpersonal level. So that's a challenge I want to just throw down to you tonight, that in your own life there will be times when you need to consider as a society what are the things that we do out of sight, out of mind. I'd rather not look at you, you're in the too hard basket. And what might Jesus be calling you to with the privilege and the power and the resources in your hands. So just be a person of advocacy and a person of love and a person who upholds the fabric of community as a follower of Jesus and not just goes along with the, we'll put it out of sight and out of mind. Yeah? So that's, that's hard and I don't have the answers and I find that really hard. That's a hard thing for me as a person. On the micro level, I want to ask you, who in your world, who in the people that you know, that you interact with, have you put in the too hard basket? Are there people who you're in regular or semi-regular relationship with that have afflictions or pain or just a situation that is really hard for you to handle and so it's easier for you to just have them in the too hard basket? And put them outside. Because I think that on some level, and it doesn't have to be like legion level. Like legion level is pretty epic. We have to admit that. But there, there, there are stages leading up to epic legion. <laughs> where we, in subtle or not so subtle ways, can put people in the too hard basket. And in doing so, are probably failing on some level to live up to the command that Jesus gives us to love one another. So I want to ask you tonight, is there someone in your world that you've put in the too hard basket that Jesus might want to challenge you to take out of the too hard basket and actually just look at and to see them and to notice them for who they are? And really all you can do is when you acknowledge that person, to ask Jesus, Jesus, what does love look like for this person right now? So it's not like machine gun approach, like, I'm just going to love everyone. You know, like, you will exhaust yourself real quick if you take machine gun love to everyone. But there are people, unique people in your life, people that you are in your world, people that you relate to, um, that are maybe not so easy to love, that the question that comes from Jesus or the question we have to ask Jesus is, how do I love this person? What does love look like for this person today? And that, the answer to that might come to you in a myriad of different ways. Sometimes love looks like all kinds of different things. Sometimes love looks gentle and generous and abundant and wonderful. And sometimes love is truth-telling and, and it feels it's hard and it's honesty. Like it, love looks different. That's why you've got to ask Jesus, what does love look like? for this person right now because it's not just blanket it's like I think it's unique and I think if we're seeking to really love one another and to be a community of love then we need to be people who do interact with with each other and with those people who we find difficult to love not with just like I'm going to smother you with love and just do the same thing for everyone but with like a uniqueness and and a desire to ask Jesus 
What does it look like? What are you calling me to do to uphold love in this situation? Love one another for love comes from God. That's hard and it's messy and it's not straightforward at all. It's nice to sing and easy to read and really hard to live. And I get, I totally get why Legion begged to go with Jesus. Because that's way easier than for him to turn around, to leave the name of Legion behind, to remember what his name actually is, to walk back to his community, to the people that chained him up in the first place, and to be there again. That, that is hard. That's much harder than Jesus, take me in the boat and take me out of here, I'm going to follow you. And that is where the rubber hits the road for how we follow Jesus. Because there are times when Jesus calls us to stay in community life and to love one another. And it's not at all easy or straightforward. Because I think, you know, like Legion was hurt by what went on. But the community was hurt by what went on. It's not easy for us to just now angelize legion and demonize the community like are those awful people who chained him up because they didn't just like wake up one morning and think oh no let's chain up legion that'll be fun it's like things broke down to the point where that was the best case scenario so like they're hurt he's hurt and jesus comes on the scene as only jesus can do brings transformation brings his power in sets this guy into his right mind and then sends him back to those people with a message of love and mercy and to live out what it looks like to follow Jesus back in the mess of his own community. And I mean, this is like a radical story, like, because it's radical, like Legion was crazy bad and then he encounters Jesus, has the miracle, he's, he's clean and bathed and stone cold sober and he's finally got clothes on because that's weird, he obviously didn't. And um. And then Jesus sends him back. But in my experience with community life, it's never that black and white, right? Like I think of my own life and like I think of, okay, I've encountered Jesus and Jesus is working on some of my quirks and rough edges. And you guys are experiencing those quirks and rough edges as well. It's not like I'm now just like holy and wonderful and I get to go back into community and bless you all with my goodness. It's messier than that, right? We're all simultaneously being transformed into the likeness of Jesus and still a little bit broken and rough. And so it's not as clear cut in like everyday community as the Legion story lays out. Like, oh, he's just better now and he's gone back in. It's like, no, it's messy. And we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus and we're still kind of broken and messy as we go. Jesus really is the only reason any of this is possible. If Legion hadn't met Jesus, he would have still been chained up. If Legion hadn't met Jesus, the people who chained him up wouldn't have experienced forgiveness and mercy and the love of God either. So Jesus is the only reason any of this is possible. And we need to remember in our relationships and in the ways they work and the ways they break down, that Jesus is the answer. That Jesus really is the way that any of us figure out how to love one another. 
that doing this on our own or doing this in our own strength or doing this off our own bat is going to tire us out and tire everyone out really quickly. But with Jesus, we can figure out what it means to love one another. So this story, it, it reminds us, reminds me, that places of hostility can actually become places of hospitality. That the places where we find ourselves wounded by others can actually become the wellspring of healing for everybody if we allow Jesus to work on us. Which is really that concept of Ubuntu, which if you're familiar with the African word, which is basically that my healing and wholeness is tied up with your healing and wholeness. That it's as we go together, it's as we go together, we work this out. As we go together, we're all healed. As we go, it's not me just having my wondrous experience with Jesus and then leaving and crossing to the other side of the lake and moving on. It's like, as I am healed, I can become a place of healing for the whole community. It's a reminder that the call of Jesus to love one another is messy. It's a reminder to me that we need to seek healing in our places of brokenness so that we can bring healing to other people. It's Henry Nouwen's concept of the wounded healer. We're wounded, but we can also be places of healing. And sometimes that's simple, but mostly that's messy. And it's usually both and, not some kind of transformative, I was once like this and now I'm like this. I, um, <laughs> I think I, I, was, I was thinking about this and I think about this in my own life and maybe I'll just share this so that I give you an imagination of how it might work in your own life. So this, this is a place that it works for me, this thing. So in, in my role as pastor and I've shared a bit of this before, and being a woman in a very male-dominated ministry world, there are many places where I experience subtle, sometimes not so subtle, discrimination. Um, sometimes that's because they just don't know what to do with me. So they don't, you know, chain me up outside with the dead people, but um, socially it can feel like that. <laughs> socially when you're in places where they just don't know how to have conversations with you or how to talk to you, how to shake your hand, um, how to treat you as normal. Like, and that, there's that. And then, you know, there's the people you interact with whose theology is that I should not be doing what I do because that's against the Bible. So, you know, there are places of broken... Like, that's not easy for me. Um, and I'm not one of those gung-ho, screw you all, I'm just championing on. I... I'm, I'm less like that and a little bit more dithery and self-doubt-filled and insecure. Um, so that actually can be a place of like woundedness for me. And honestly, a lot of the time, I would just prefer to flip them the bird and say, 
screw you, I'll just do it, like, I'll just go off by myself. That, that, that feels good, that feels easier, I don't have to deal with them and their judgments or their weirdness or anything, I could just like, not, you know, that's like me saying to Jesus, can I come with you <laughs> to the other side of the lake, let me leave. But I, I am coming to realise slowly that actually if I can find healing from God in that place, if I can find like my acceptance and my worth as a person and as a leader coming straight from God and not from peers who might endorse me, if I can be whole in that place and hold myself in those places where I experience awkwardness or discrimination, then it's possible that in my very presence, I can be a place of healing for everyone. If I just leave, then all I'm doing is suffering the next generation of women to come through to do what I failed to do. But if I can just find healing, go to Jesus, seek him for, for what that does in me, for that wounding or that whatever it does, and then just be there and, you know, suffer the odd comments and the awkwardness and the overlooking and the weirdness, then I can actually be a place of healing for everyone, for, for, the, for, for the men who find me weird too. Because when I'm present, it provokes them to do their own work. If I absent myself, we all just get to be what we want. That's like one way that this is working out for me in my life. And you would have the same things. You would have places in your life where you're misunderstood, where you've been rejected, where you've been judged, where you've been isolated, where it's just been too hard to push through socially. And I think we have to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, what would you have me do in these places? Is it better for me to not be here or can I actually become a place of healing for everyone? And only Jesus can tell you what he wants you to do. But I think that that's the potential of when we take um, loving one another seriously, that it actually can change the world and that we can actually prevent legion from ever being tied up in the graveyard and we can actually pull one another back from the edge. I think that there is such richness and beauty in community when we're committed to one another in our woundedness and our healing, in conflict and in forgiveness, in grace and mercy and patience with one another. I think there's such a beautiful thing that happens when the fabric of community tears a bit because of our rough edges and then we allow the Holy Spirit to mend us again. Like, that's a beautiful thing. And that's what I want our church to be like, like that. Like that we would take seriously the mandate from Jesus to love one another. Love one another for love comes from God. A new command I give you, love one another. Stay faithful to one another. Stay committed to one another. Bear with one another's rough edges. Be patient. Show grace. Share mercy. Share forgiveness. Be God's people together. Don't let anyone be legion. But cover one another. I think that's a, a real challenge that I see laid down in this passage. 
How about we just, you know what I'd like to do is just give you a couple of moments to sit before Jesus and maybe you need to ask Jesus if there's anyone in your world that you have put in the too hard basket and if you feel Jesus brings someone to mind and he may not, like it's not always like, oh no, do I have to search my my catalogue of friends to decide if there's anyone I've treated meanly. No, no, no. Just like, you know, bring just, just that gentle bringing your world before God and saying, Jesus, is there anyone I have put in the too hard basket that you would call me to love? And then if the answer is yes and someone comes to mind then maybe you could just ask Jesus what love looks like for that person right now. Jesus, we want to be a people who take seriously your call to love one another. And God, sometimes that's just so hard. We need your wisdom. We need your strength. We need your grace. We need to know what love looks like. So, Father God, if there's people in our worlds that we are struggling with, then we do ask, God, that you help us. Help us to love. And, Father God, I pray for us as a church, Lord, I pray that we would continue to grow into being a community who love one another, who sits in the mess of what that looks like, who choose to persevere and to bear with one another and to forgive and to show mercy and grace when it would be easier to judge or isolate ourselves. Father God, help us to be your people that it would be true of us that they, others would be able to look at us and know that we are disciples by the way that we love one another. And God, I pray for our nation and I pray that as a nation we would keep wrestling with what it looks like to love and that God, you would help us to be disciples who don't just stick our head in the sand with the big things that we don't know what to do with, but that we would allow your voice to direct us to be a society of mercy and grace and love and truth and safety. Just help us, God. Help us to follow you. And God, I just pray for each one of us and the places in each one of us that may have been wounded by community, the places where we've suffered the effects of people not loving us well. And Lord, I pray that we would encounter your healing, that Jesus, you would minister to us in those places. And that we wouldn't carry around our wounds and identify with them. But that we would 
stay faithful to the journey of healing and wholeness and finding our belovedness in you. So cover us all this week, I pray. Jesus, as we go out from this place and we take you with us into the world, help us to love those we encounter. Help us to reflect your beauty to this world. We thank you that we do this in your strength, Jesus, and not our own might. Amen.